Well, we are wrapping up a series today on strongholds. We've been looking at the spiritual world and the forces at work against us in life that want to have a strong hold on us, that prevent us from living the life that we want to live, the life that God created us for. And specifically, we've been looking at those strongholds that prevent us from living out the mission of the church. Today, we're talking about the stronghold of fear. Now, how many of us, you could testify that there are moments in life where fear takes hold of you, right? I mean, there are moments where life is, is so scary, fear is so strong that you feel paralyzed, uh, you feel unable to move forward the way you want to do. It impacts your thinking or your feeling or your decision-making. For some of us, fear is so strong, it's even impacting the direction of our lives, Let's talk about what do we mean when we say fear as a stronghold? Well, we're talking about a heightened recognition and reaction to danger or potential harm. Now, we all know that life is going to be full of danger and potential harm as long as we live on this earth. The problem happens when we allow it to have such a heightened state we're so aware of it, we're so consumed with it, that it shakes us to the core where we become captive to it, no longer able to live with freedom, who we want to be, who God has called us to be. We've all been in that moment where fear grabs you like that, where you feel paralyzed, where you feel impacted. Let me help you imagine what I'm talking about. Uh, some of you might have a fear called glossophobia. It's the fear of public speaking. And right now, those of you who wrestle with this, like you're just, you're getting cold sweats even just thinking about uh, being behind a microphone. Now, I know some of you, you're ready to take the microphone from me right now and you got some things you need to say. But some of us are terrified of this. Or maybe for you, it's acrophobia, the fear of heights. And right now, you've got a death grip on your chair just thinking about seeing this view from up high. Or maybe for you, uh, it's neither of those. It's uh, entomophobia, the fear of the creepy crawlies, the bugs and insects. And, and you know who you are, right? You, you're up on a chair. You're up on a table. The moment you see something like this, and you're not even able to look at the screen right now. All right, we want to just leave it there for a second for... To you folks. Maybe it's none of those. Maybe it's tripping phobia, the fear of needles. Maybe you would rather do just about anything in the world than have a shot or get your blood taken because you're just terrified of needles. Or here's one that a lot of us can relate to. What about claustrophobia, a fear of tight spaces? You feel like you can't get out, you can't breathe, and you just close your eyes and pray for freedom in that moment. You're the people who you won't get in the elevator, uh, you won't get in crowded spaces. Now, here's the thing about all of these. Yeah, they, they can shake us, they can grab us, they can take a hold of us. But for the most part, we can avoid all these, right? I mean, you have some control in your life of whether or not you get behind the microphone or whether or not you go up to a high space. As soon as you see the creepy crawly, you can walk away and call somebody to come deal with it. You can 
for the most part, avoid needles. I mean, you, most of us are not dealing with that on a day-in and day-out day basis, and you can try to avoid crowds. But the reality is that there's a lot of things that have got a grip of fear on us that we can't avoid. And they're shaking us to the very center of our being. And I think over the last few years, it's not just that there are some big things that are holding on to us and creating fear. Really, the, the truth is that there are a number of things that are piling up on top of each other that are creating a huge amount of fear on us as human beings. I, mean, I think about over the last couple of years, you know, a pandemic impacting the entire globe. I think about the political division or the racial tension or the financial problems that so many folks are going through right now and how those converge and create for many people what feels like a, a fear that I just can't get free of. But that's the good news of Easter, the Resurrection Sunday, is that that fear doesn't have to hold on to us. See, God has given us two very clear promises. The first promise is that God will never leave us, never forsake us, that he will always be present and working in our lives for our good and his glory. And the second promise is that God, through Jesus, for all who trust in him, has created a space for us, a home, and he's waiting for us. There's a heaven and a new heaven and new earth that we can look forward to. And here's the good news about Easter is that God confirmed those promises when he rose his son, Jesus, from the dead. It was like God shining a, a light on his promises to say, I am going to follow through. I am gonna come through for you on what I've told you I'm gonna do. And let me show you evidence of who I am. And so when we look to the resurrection that Jesus is not dead, he's not in the tomb, he is alive, we can remember those promises. And when we hold on to the promises, we don't have to be captive to fear. Now that's the message for us today. I want us to see it in scripture of how we can move forward out of fear into freedom. So we're gonna be in Matthew 28, verses one through 10. Matthew 28, one through 10. Let's take a look. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. Now we're about to start picking up on a theme here, so follow with me. The guards were so, what? Afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I've told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be, 
One more time. Afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Fear is written all over the Easter story. That yes, Jesus rose from the dead, but we still experience fear. Now specifically, I want us to take a look at the fear that the women experienced. But before I do that, just a little aside here. Do you see the difference between when we walk through fear without a hope in Jesus versus we walk through fear with a hope in Jesus? You've got the guards who don't have a hope in Jesus. They experience fear and what do they do? They tuck tail and run in the opposite direction. And then we've got these women who have been following Jesus, who have a hope in Jesus. They get the good news from the angels. They also have fear. But what they do is they run toward the mission that God has for them. That's the difference. But even when we're going after Jesus, we're going to experience fear. And the women experience two moments of fear. They experience fear going to the tomb and they experience leaving from the tomb. Let's take a look at that. See, they experienced first fear going to the tomb. We're going to call it fears in life. Because life in general is just kind of scary. It's something that we got to wrestle with. We got to deal with. There are moments that we're not really sure what to do. And we're frightened. And it's hard. And we need some help. And the women would have experienced some fears in life heading to the tomb. I think one of the things that they would have experienced was fear of being alone. But think about it. Everything leading up to this point, they'd put all their hope and and their energy and their faith in this man named Jesus. They thought he would be their savior and their hope and they loved him and were loved by him and now he's gone. He's dead. And they've got to be wondering, well, what now? But it wasn't even just Jesus. Think about their entire community was centered around the mission of Jesus. And when Jesus was crucified, they all did what? They scattered. And the women are coming, don't miss this, by themselves to the tomb. They've got to be wondering, will I ever have this community again? And you and I face that same fear. We fear being alone. We fear losing that person that we love and being left behind. We fear rejection. We fear being lonely. We fear being isolated. And we need a God to speak into our hearts and minds when we experience that fear. Maybe it's not fear of being alone. Maybe like the women, you might have a fear of being hurt. Here they are coming to the tomb. All their hopes have been put in Jesus. And what happened to him? He was arrested, beaten, crucified, died an excruciating death. And they've got to be thinking to themselves, not only did we follow this man named Jesus who was arrested, beaten, and crucified, but we did that very publicly. Now what's going to happen to us? Are we going to experience hurt and pain like he did? Or even go into the tomb. They know that Roman soldiers are there guarding the tomb. They got to be wondering, is this even safe for us to go do? What's going to happen to us? And again, we too experience this fear of being hurt. Because a lot of events and circumstances and people in life will just hurt us. And when we are 
captured by that fear of being hurt, what we do as we pull back, we don't commit to anybody, we won't be vulnerable to anybody, we won't trust, we won't take steps of faith, we're just guarded and safe and missing out on so much of what God has for us because we don't want to be hurt. Or maybe it's not one of these for you, maybe it's not alone or hurt, but maybe you just fear being wrong. The thing about the women go into the tomb to see Jesus who they thought would be their Messiah. Now listen, they didn't have this post-Easter mindset of Jesus. They thought he was literally going to be a earthly king and savior and free them from all the things that were hurting them in life. And he had died and they probably vaguely remembered that he said something about three days. But for them, three days has come. They're going to the tomb and they don't know anything else yet other than he's dead. And they've got to be wondering to themselves as they head to the tomb, did we miss something? Like, did our lines get crossed? Did we misinterpret what he was saying? Were we lied to? Were we just flat out wrong? And now what are we going to do? And many of us too have the fear of being wrong. So much so that when God would speak to us and call us to step out in faith, In the back of our mind, we have this lingering doubt. Well, what if I'm wrong? What if he's not really speaking to me? What if Jesus isn't who he said he was? What if he didn't do what he said he was going to do? What if I'm just mishearing or misinterpreting and he doesn't want me? And at best, I'll kind of take a little tiny step, but I'm hedging my bets and I'm not going all in. Because why? I'm afraid of being wrong. We all have those fears in life. And sometimes we think, if I can just meet Jesus, if Jesus will get a hold of me, then all my fears will go away. And that is not at all what happened with the followers of Jesus. That when they met Jesus, they had a whole other set of fears. We'll call them fears in faith. You might call them fears in our calling as we follow after Jesus. They meet him on the way. Jesus tells them, do not fear. Why? Because they're still afraid. Even seeing him face to face and worshiping him, they have to hear the the words of encouragement from Jesus. Don't be afraid. Well, what could they have been afraid of? Well, maybe one of the things that they were afraid of was the fear of failure. What if I can't do this? Because I know that Jesus is calling me to follow him. And my goodness, now he's here alive and everybody's going to hear about this. And I'm going to have to definitely live this out and tell people about it and, and go, what, what if I mess up? And we face that fear. That's probably the biggest fear I hear from folks is as Jesus calls to them, as God calls them to step out in faith. I'm not qualified. I'm not capable Or maybe I'm disqualified. You don't know what I've done or where I've been. I'm not educated. I'm not able to do this. And we fear so deeply of messing up or or hurting the mission when all Jesus is calling us to is to step in faith and be obedient. Maybe for you it's not the fear of failure. Maybe it's the fear of difficulty because my goodness, things are going to get difficult. I have to imagine as the women were walking with Jesus, his words began to roll back in their minds. And I imagine that they remembered when Jesus said, hey, you know what? When you follow me, it's going to be difficult. As a matter of fact, Jesus said to the 
disciples who followed him, if you want to follow me, what you're going to have to do is take up your cross. Which always blows my mind as I read through that in scripture because Jesus said that to the followers before he went to the cross and rose from the dead. I mean, they hear these words and they're like, this is crazy. I thought you were going to be a king and bring a kingdom. And here you're telling me I've got to be willing to be executed to follow you. That doesn't make sense. And now here they are on the other side of Jesus coming back to life, having experienced that. And even still, they're wondering, can I do that? Can I, can I have that same kind of strength that he had to deal with the difficult things? And we face that fear as Jesus calls out to us, don't we? Can I face these difficult things? Because I'll make a promise to you. If you will go all in with Jesus, I promise you this. All in with him, you will never be bored. But it won't be easy. It's going to challenge you. It's going to stretch you. You're not going to know what's coming next. It's going to be out of your control. That's why it's called faith. Because it's out of our control. Maybe it's not failure or difficulty. Maybe we just fear change. As the women are walking with Jesus and he's alive and they're looking at the wounds in his wrists and his ankles and they see, man, this guy was dead and now he's alive. They realize in that moment, things will never be the same. They can't be. There is no going back for us. We can only move forward. And you know what? We have no idea what that means. And some of us are just scared to death that we will relinquish control to God and then that might mean we have to change. And we need God to step into our lives in those moments to say, walk with me, trust me. Fear doesn't have to hold you. Why? Because there's two promises. That God will never leave us or forsake us. He's working. God has a home for us. Heaven is waiting and he confirmed it as he rose his son Jesus from the dead, as he emptied the tomb, it was his confirmation that he can be trusted, that he is reliable, that he has power to fulfill on his promise. And if we will fix our eyes on the empty tomb, on the risen Jesus, and stay in step with him, we'll begin to experience something incredible. Even while life is hard, we'll begin to experience joy. Because the promise is true. The promise is coming. And what happens is we control fear with joy. Instead of fear controlling me, I, with the help of God, control fear with the joy given to me by God. Look at the experience of the women in verse 8. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. I have this picture in my mind of the women just in a full-on sprint to find the disciples because they're so excited about what they just saw. My goodness, Jesus is alive. We thought it was over, and it's just getting started, and I can imagine them just running and sprinting, and they get there, and they're like, <gasps> <gasps> Guess what we just saw? I can remember just like yesterday, that moment when I first met Jesus. I never want to forget that moment, that feeling where everything else just faded away because of the joy that was overwhelming. For those of you who follow Jesus, we need to hold on to that 
joy. Because what it does is it gives us, instills in us a courage to move forward. Please hear me. The world is longing desperately for men and women, not who don't have fear because they're so certain of the world, but they're longing for men and women who have fear and yet they move through it in faith because they trust God. The world so desperately needs men and women of courage to step forward and we have courage because we have joy and I love the way it is lived out. It says that they fell at the feet of Jesus, they worshiped him, and then they got up and they obeyed him. And the same will happen with us when we are filled with that joy, we will worship and obey. We will see Jesus, we will understand the promise, we'll hold on to it, we'll be filled with joy. And even when we fail, even when we're afraid, even when we come to the end of ourself and we're not sure what to do next and we, we feel like we are a, a mess up, we can still have joy knowing that God's in control and God is for me. That when you get to the end of yourself, God is just getting started. And we say it all the time that as followers of Jesus, we have a relentless grip on hope. It's what sets us apart. And we can hold on to the joy because we can hold on to the promise. We can hold on to the promise because we see that Jesus is alive. And what that means for us is that we don't stand still, but we join with God and the joy helps us to move. The women, they're, they're running to the disciples with this good news that they've received from the angels. And on the way there, it says that Jesus met with them. The actual word met is the word traveled. He traveled with them. In other words, when the women got moving in faith, maybe we just get moving in curiosity. Let me see who this Jesus is. And we're pursuing the message of Jesus, the person of Jesus. Jesus will show up in our life and he will walk with us. He's not just standing in a fixed point saying, let me give you some pointers as you head on your way. No, he walks with us. He travels with us. He goes with us by our side. And he just, just follow me, guys. Just come follow me. That's what he says to us. Because when we get going, we will meet him. And what helps us to get going is that joy of the promise. And we too will respond with worship and obedience. How do we worship God? Do we come on every other Sunday or once a month reluctantly because we're supposed to? Or is it an attitude where I can't wait to get to church with my body of Christ, friends and loved ones because I got to praise God because he's real and he's alive and he's working. And I come and I raise my hands and I sing my praises or I'm in the car and I'm just spending time in prayer or I'm singing to him or I'm listening to his voice or I'm at home and I'm meeting with the Lord and I'm waking up in the morning saying, good morning, God, what are we going to do today? Is that the attitude in my heart of constant worship? Am I obedient? One of the biggest truths that will propel us forward in our faith is to understand this. I don't have to have understanding to be obedient. I don't have to have all the answers or step two, three, and four to just be obedient to what God has called me to do. So often people ask me, well, what's the next step? The next step for all of us as followers of Jesus is do the last thing Jesus told you to do until he tells you the next thing. 
Just keep being obedient to him because we have joy, because we know the promise, and we know the promise because we see Jesus is alive. And all of that can disarm any fear we have in life. And we keep holding on to hope. And listen, that hope that we have, it is not an empty hope. This is not a fairy tale. This is not like, I really want it to be, so I'm going to believe it. No, there's all the reason in the world to have the hope that we have. One of the reasons is the historical reason. That we can look in history and see the accounts, the reliable accounts that Jesus rose from the dead, just like he said he was going to do. We've got four gospels independent of each other. And if that were all there was, that would be more than enough historically, an abundance of evidence. But there's more. There are extra biblical accounts, even from people who didn't trust that Jesus was the Messiah, who said, I can't help to, but to say, to account for, to write it down. This is what I saw. I don't understand it, but this is what happened. Then you've got the boldness of the followers of Jesus who for so long had no clue what Jesus was talking about and they just kept falling all over themselves. And then all of a sudden they're filled with the spirit and they're living with boldness and they're doing miracles and they're being arrested and thrown out of synagogues and they're eventually martyred for their faith, but they kept pressing in because they believed in what they saw. Are the greatest evidence of all is that those of us who follow this Jesus because we know that he rose from the dead. Isn't it amazing to you? The Jewish leaders, the religious leaders, the, the Roman leaders had every reason to parade this body around all over the empire, but they couldn't do it because there was no body. The greatest evidence of all is those who trust in that and give our lives to it. Our lives are transformed. That is the greatest evidence you'll ever need. We have that sure, certain historical evidence to hold on to. But there's another piece that I want to lift up for us. This is so important. Is that the Bible tells us that Jesus is risen. Now, I know you're thinking like, that is obvious. That's why we're here today. I, I get that. But listen to what the words say. Jesus is risen. It does not say that Jesus brought himself back to life. The word risen, the verb is pointing to someone other than who it happens to. It's pointing to God the Father who rose his son Jesus from the dead. And here's why that's important. So critical for us is that the same God who rose Jesus from the dead is the God who is inviting you and working in your life today. He has not changed. He does not differ. He does not change his mind. The God who spoke into history and said, my son Jesus will live again. He is the first fruits is calling to you. And he's saying, I hear your cries. I see your pain. I know your fear. I know what you're walking through, but I am here and I am for you. And the power that I had then is the power that I have now. It's the power that I will have in the future. And I'm working if you will trust me, I have not changed. He is the same God who rose Jesus. And for many of us this morning, he's calling out to you because you're overwhelmed with fear. And that fear has stopped you in your tracks 
And you need to know that the same God who rose Jesus from the dead is the God who's calling out to you. He has a power to overcome. So many of us, what we need to do as we leave this place today, the way we need to celebrate Easter is we need to speak some truth to our fears. Are you fear, fearful of being alone? You have a God who will never leave you. My goodness, the miracle of all miracles is not that God could raise somebody from the dead. God will raise whoever he wants to raise from the dead. He made all of this anyway. The miracle of miracles is that God looks at your jacked up, messed up life and mine and says, I wanna love you and be with you. I wanna be one with you. So here's my spirit to live in you and I will never leave you. That's the miracle of all miracles. Wow. Are you fearful of being hurt? We have a God who comforts, a God who says, I will wipe away every tear. I've got a place for you where there's no more death, no more hurting or pain or sorrow. Fix your eyes on me. Are you afraid of being wrong? We all kind of fear that sometimes. But God says, if you want wisdom, just ask for it and I'll give it freely. I'll lead you toward me. I'll guide you toward me. Are you fear of failure? I'm gonna mess this up. Listen, the, the good news for all of us, me and, and all, every one of us, it has nothing to do with you and nothing to do with me. It's all about God, what he wants to do. He never asked you to be responsible for a result. He just said, be obedient. And we need to speak that truth through our fear of failure. Maybe we're afraid of difficulty. Yeah, it's gonna be hard. But what does God say? That the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. We will overcome through the power of Jesus. Just get up in the morning and just say the name Jesus to know that there's power in you by his name. And no matter how difficult it is, we will keep moving forward. Are you afraid of change? What I tell you, life will never be boring, but it'll never be the same. And change is part of the journey but here's what we need to remember and speak to that fear of change and say, I know the God who's on the other side of this change and he's never failed me yet. He's got a perfect track record. I'm just gonna keep my eyes on him. So I don't know where we are this morning. Maybe you're in a great place and, and you need to encourage somebody or maybe you're really dealing with some fear right now and you need courage spoken into you. But the good news is it is not about your willpower or want to, it's just about your willingness to receive by the Spirit of God what God can do in you. And we come to Him in prayer and we say, Holy Spirit, drive out the fear by your love for me. Give me joy to step through the fear. So I'm gonna pray for all of us and we're gonna sing one more song. And as we sing, if you wanna to come to these prayer rails and pray about anything or everything, we welcome you to do that. You can wave one of us over if you want us to pray with you. But what is it that God wants to do in you today? What fear is it that's holding you back that just might be something that God could set you free from in this moment? And you can move forward without that weight. So if you'll stand, I'm gonna pray for us. And then we're gonna worship one more time together on this Easter Sunday. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are the same God 
who rose Jesus from the dead, you are still in the business of doing the impossible, of doing the unimaginable, of doing the unlikely, of doing what we can't do. You're still a miracle worker. You're still a healer. You're still a, a multiplier. God, you still do amazing things and you're calling us to follow you in faith. But so many of us, Lord, even as we're trying to follow you in faith, we're handcuffed, we're held back by fear. The stronghold that has a strong hold on our hearts and minds. Lord, send your spirit right now to set us free. Give us a firm grasp on the promise that you are with us, the hope of heaven that is sealed by the resurrection of Jesus. And Lord, as we hold on to that hope and promise, give us joy to step through the fear that this world would see something different and perhaps be transformed because of what you called us to, because of who you are, because you are God and you are Savior and Lord. And we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.